Part six of a Christmas Miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part six The Little City of Hope A Christmas Story by Francis Marion Crawford Section two three How They Made Bricks Without Straw but then something happened for overholt was tormented by the vague consciousness of a coming idea so that he had headaches and could not sleep at night it flashed upon him at last one evening when newton was in bed and he was sitting before his motor wishing he had the thousand dollars which would surely complete it even if he used the most expensive materials in the market the idea which developed suddenly in all its clearness was that he had made one of the most important parts of the machine exactly the converse of what it should be what was on the right should have been on the left and what was down should certainly have been up then the engine would work even if the tangent balance were a very poor affair indeed the particular piece of brass casting which was the foundation of that part had been made in new york and owing to the necessity for its being finished very accurately and machine planed and turned it had cost a great deal of money already it had been made and spoilt three times over and now it was perfectly clear that it must be cast over again in a reversed form it was quite useless to make the balance yet for it would be of no use till the right casting was finished it would have to be reversed too and the tangent would apply to a reversed curve he had no money for the casting but even before trying to raise the cash it was necessary to make the wooden model he could do that and he set to work to sketch the drawing within five minutes after the idea had once flashed upon him as his eye followed the lines made by his pencil he became more and more convinced that he was right when the rough sketch was done he looked up at the engine its familiar features seemed to be drawn into a diabolical grimace of contempt at his stupidity and it looked as if it were conscious and wanted to throw the wrongly made piece at his head but he was overwrought just then and could have fancied any folly he rose shook himself and then took a long pull at a black bottle that always stood on a shelf when a man puts a black bottle to his lips tips it up and takes down several good pulls almost without drawing breath most people suppose that he is a person of vicious habits in overholt's case most people would have been wrong the black bottle contained cold tea it was strong but it was only tea and that is the finest drink in the world for an inventor or an author to work on when i say an author i mean a poor writer of prose for i have always been told that all poets are either mad or bad or both many of them must be bad or they could not write such atrocious poems but madness is different perhaps they read their own verses when overholt had swallowed his cold tea he got out his drawing materials stretched a fresh sheet of thick draughtsman's paper on the board and sat down between the motor that would not move and the little city in which hope had taken lodgings for a while and he went to work with ruler scale and dividers and the hardwood template for drawing the curves he had constructed for the tangent balance by a very abstruse mathematical calculation 
that was right at all events only as it was to be reversed he laid it on the paper with the underside up he worked nearly all night to finish the drawing slept two hours in a battered shaker rocking chair by the fire woke in broad daylight drank more cold tea and went at once to his lathe for the new piece was in the nature of a cylinder and a good deal of the work could be done by turning the chisel and the lathe seemed to be talking to each other over the block of wood and what they said rang like a tune in john henry's head bricks without straw bricks without straw bricks without straw repeated the lathe regularly at each revolution and when it said bricks the treadle was up and when it said straw the treadle was down for of course it was only a foot lathe though a good one ever so much better than no bricks at all answered the sharp chisel as it pressed and bit the wood and made a little irregular clattering when it was drawn away and then came forward against the block again with a long hushing sound and overholt was inclined to accept its opinion and worked on as if an obliging brass founder were waiting outside to take the model away at once and cast it for nothing or at least on credit but no such worthy and confiding manufacturer appeared even on the evening of the second day when the wooden model was beautifully finished and ready for the foundry while the inventor was busy newton had worked alone in a corner when he had time to spare from his lessons but he understood what was going on and he did not accomplish much beyond painting the front of the national bank in the city of hope and planning a possible wild west show to be set up on the outskirts the tents would be easy to make but the horses were beyond his skill or his father's it would not be enough that they should have a leg at each corner and a head and a tail he understood well enough what was the matter for he had seen similar things happen before a pessimist is defined to be a person who has lived with an optimist and every inventor is that poor newton had seen that particular part of the engine spoiled and made over three times and he understood perfectly that it was all wrong again and must be cast once more but he kept his reflections to himself and tried to think about the city of hope i wish said john henry sitting down opposite the boy at last and looking at what he had done that the national bank in main street were real he eyed it wistfully oh well answered the boy we couldn't rob it because it's stealing so i don't see what particular good it would do perhaps the business people in the city of hope would be different from the bankers in new york observed overholt thoughtfully i don't believe it father newton answered in a skeptical tone if they were bankers they'd be rich and you remember the sermon sunday before last about its being easier for the camel to get through the rich man no which is it oh i forget it doesn't matter anyway because we can imagine any kind of people we choose in our city can't we say father what's the matter are you going to cast that piece over again that'll be the fourth time won't it it would be my boy but it won't be they won't cast it for nothing and i cannot raise the money you cannot make bricks without straw he looked steadily down at the tiny front of the bank in main street and a hungry look came into his eyes 
but newton had a practical mind even at thirteen i was thinking he said presently it looks as if we were going to get stuck some day what are we going to do then father i was thinking about it just now how are we going to get anything to eat if we have no money well i shall have to go back to teaching mathematics for a living i suppose and give up the motor newton had never yet heard him suggest such a thing yes overholt answered in a low tone and that was all he said oh that's ridiculous you'd just die that's all newton stared at the engine that was a failure it looked as if it ought to work he thought with its neat cylinders its polished levers its beautifully designed gear it stood under a big case made of thick glass plates set in an iron frame with a solid top a chain ran through two cast-iron wheels overhead to a counterpoise in the corner by which device it was easily raised and lowered the motor was a very expensive affair and had to be carefully protected from dust and all injury though it was worth nothing at present except for old brass and iron unless the new part could be made come my boy let's think of something more cheerful overholt said making an effort to rouse himself and concentrated his attention on the paper model christmas is coming in three weeks you know and it will come just the same in the little city i'm sure the people will decorate their houses and the church of course we cannot see the insides of the houses but in boston they put wreaths in the windows and we'll have a snowstorm just as we used to have and we can clear it away afterwards wasn't there a holly tree somewhere near the college you haven't put that in yet you have no idea how cheerful it will look to-morrow we'll find a very small sprig with berries on it and plant it just in the right place i'm sure you remember where it stood real leaves would be too big observed the boy they wouldn't look right of course one could cut the branches out of tin and paint em green with red spots and stick em into a twig for the trunk but it's rather hard to do well let's try said overholt i've got some fine chisels and some very thin brass but i don't think i could draw the branches as well as you could oh i can draw em something like if you'll only cut em out the boy answered cheerfully come on father who says we can't make bricks without straw i'll bet anything we can so they worked together steadily and for an hour or two the inventor was so busy in cutting out tiny branches of imaginary holly with a very small chisel that he did not look once at the plate-glass from which his engine seemed to be grinning at him in fiendish delight over his misfortunes there were times when he was angry with it outright as if it knew what he was doing and did not mean to give it to him and let itself be invented but now the tune of the lathe and the chisel still ran on in his head for he had heard it through two whole days and could not get rid of it bricks without straw bricks without straw repeated the lathe viciously ever so much better than no bricks at all shish sh, 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 answered the chisel gibbering and hissing like an idiot you will certainly be lying on straw before long and then i suppose you'll wish you had something else squeaked the little chisel with which he was cutting out holly leaves as it went through the thin plates into the wood of the bench under each push of his hand the things in the workshop all seemed to be talking to him together and made his head ache 
i had a letter from your mother to-day he said because it was better to hear his own voice say something than to listen to such depressing imaginary conversations i'm sorry to say she sees no chance of getting home before the spring i don't know where you'd put her if she came here answered the practical newton your room leaks when it rains and so does mine you two would have to sleep in the parlor i guess it'll be better if she doesn't come now oh for her far better assented overholt they've got a beautiful flat in munich and everything they can possibly think of your mother's only complaint so far as that goes is that those girls are completely spoilt by too much luxury what is luxury exactly father asked newton who always wanted to know things i will never know myself and perhaps you never will either the wretched inventor tried to laugh but that's no answer to your question is it i suppose luxury means always having twice as much of everything as you can possibly use and having it about ten times as fine and expensive as other people can afford i don't see any use in that said the boy now i know just how much turkey and cranberry sauce and ice cream i really need and if i get just a little more than that it's christmas i don't mean much more but about half a helping i know all about proverbs haven't i copied millions of em in learning to write one reason why it's so slow to learn is that the things you have to write are perfect nonsense enough is as good as a feast all i can say is the man who made that proverb never had a feast or he'd have known better this green paint doesn't dry very quick father we'll have to wait till tomorrow before we put on the red spots for the berries i wish i had some little red beads they'd stick on the wet paint now like one o'clock there were no red beads so he rose to go to bed when he had said good night and had reached the door he stopped and looked back again say father haven't you anything you can sell to get some more money for the motor john henry shook his weary head and smiled sadly nothing that would bring nearly enough to pay for the casting he answered don't worry about it boy leave that to me i'm used to it go to bed and sleep and you'll feel like an air motor yourself in the morning that's the worst of it returned the boy just to sit there under a glass case and have you take care of me and do nothing like a girl that's the way i feel sometimes he shook his young head quite as gravely as the inventor had shaken his own and went quietly to bed without saying anything more i don't know what to do i'm sure he said to himself as he got into bed but i'm sure there's something maybe i'll dream it and then i'll do just the contrary and it'll come all right but boys of practical minds and sound bodies do not dream at all unless it be after a feast and most of them can stand even that without having nightmare unless two feasts come near together like christmas and a birthday within the week a great uncle of mine was once taken for a clergyman at a public dinner nearly a hundred years ago and he was asked to say grace he was a good man and also practical and had a splendid appetite but he was not eloquent and this is what he said the lord give us appetites to enjoy and strength to digest all the good things set before us amen and everybody said amen very cheerfully and fell too four 
how there was a famine in the city it rained in new york and it snowed slush in connecticut after its manner and the world was a very dreary place especially all around the dilapidated cottage where everything was going to pieces including john henry overholt's last hopes if he had been alone in the world he would have taken his small cash balance and his model to the foundry quite careless as to whether he ever got a meal again until the motor worked but there was the boy to be thought of and desperate as the unhappy inventor was he would not starve his son as well as himself he was quite sure of his little balance though he had never had any head for figures of that sort it was an easy affair in his eyes to handle the differential calculus which will do anything metaphorically speaking from smashing a rock as flat and thin as a postage stamp to regulating an astronomical clock but to understand the complication of a passbook and a bank account was a matter of the greatest possible difficulty newton could have done it much better though he could not get to the head of his class in arithmetic that is the difference between being an inventor and having a practical mind as for mrs overhold she was perfectly wonderful at keeping accounts but then she had been taught a great many things from music and drawing to compound interest and double entry and she had been taught them all just so far as to be able to do them nicely without understanding at all what she did which is sound modern education and no mistake the object of music is to make a cheerful noise which can be done very well without pencil and paper and the rules of harmony but overholt could neither make a cheerful noise nor draw a holly leaf nor speak french nor even understand a passbook though he had invented an air motor which would not work but was a clear evidence of genius the only business idea he had was to make his little balance last as long as possible in spite of the terrible temptation to take it and offer it to the founder as a cash advance if only he might have his piece of casting done where the rest of the money would come from he did not know probably out of the motor it looked so easy but there was the boy and it might happen that there would be no dinner for several days on the first of december he cashed a check in the town as usual and he paid barbara's wages and the coal merchant and the month's bill for kerosene and the butcher and the grocer and the baker and that was practically all and he went to bed that night feeling that whatever happened there was a whole month before another first came round and he owed no one anything more for the present and newton would not starve and could have his christmas turkey if it was to be the last he ever ate poor boy on the morning of december third it was still snowing slush though it was more like real snow now and the air was much colder and by and by when overholt had read a letter that barbara brought him he felt so terribly cold all at once that his teeth chattered and then he was so hot that the perspiration ran down his forehead and he steadied himself against the heavy glass case of the motor a moment and then almost tumbled into a sitting posture on the stool before his work-table and his head fell forward on his hands as if he were fainting the letter said that his account was overdrawn 
to the extent of three hundred and fifty-two dollars and thirteen cents including the check he had drawn on the thirty-first and would he please make a deposit at his earliest convenience it had been just a little mistake in arithmetic that was all he had started with the wrong balance in his notebook and what he thought was credit was debit but the bank where he had kept all the money that had been put up for the motor had wished to be friendly and good-natured to the great inventor and had not returned his checks with n g on them and if his attention had already been called to his deficit he must have forgotten to open the letter like all men who are much talked of in the newspapers though they may be as poor as job's turkey he received a great many circulars addressed by typewriter and the only letters he really cared for were from his wife so that when he was hard at work or much preoccupied the others accumulated somewhere in the workshop and were often forgotten what was perfectly clear this morning was that starvation was sitting on the doorstep and that he had no moral right whatever to the dinner barbara was already beginning to cook nor to another to-morrow nor to any more for he was a proud man and ashamed of debt though he mixed up debit and credit so disgracefully he sat there half an hour as he had let himself fall forward only moving a little so that his forehead rested on his arm instead of his hands because that was a little more comfortable and just then he did not want to see anything least of all the motor when he rose at last the sleeve of his coat was all wet with the perspiration from his forehead he left the workshop half shutting his eyes in order not to see the motor he was sure the thing was grinning at him behind the plate glass it had two round brass valves near the top that looked like yellow eyeballs and a lever at the bottom with double arms and a crossbar which made him think of an iron jaw when he was in one of his fits of nervous depression but john henry overholt was a man and an honest one he went straight to the writing-table in the next room and sat down and though his hand shook he wrote a clear and manly letter to the president of the college where he had taught so well stating his exact position acknowledging the failure of his invention and asking help to find immediate employment as a teacher even in the humblest capacity which would afford bread for his boy and himself presidents and principals of colleges are in constant communication with other similar institutions and generally know of vacant positions when he had written his letter and read it over carefully overholt looked at his timetable got his hat coat and umbrella and trudged off through the slushy snow to the station on his way to new york it was raining there but it was not dismal hurry confusion and noise can never be that he had not been in the city since the day when he made his last attempt to raise money and in his present state the contrast was overwhelming the shopkeepers would have told him that it was a dull day for business and that the rain was costing them hundreds of dollars every hour because there are a vast number of people who buy things within the month before christmas if it is convenient and the weather is fine but will not take the trouble if the weather is bad 
and afterwards they are so glad to have saved their money that they buy nothing of that sort till the following year for christmas shopping is largely a matter of temptation on the one side and of weakness on the other and you cannot tempt a man to buy your wares if he will not even go out and look at your shop window at christmas time every shopkeeper turns into a serpent with a big s and a supply of apples varying with his capital from a paper bagful to a whole orchard and though the ladies are the more easily tempted nine generous men out of ten show no more sense just at that time than eve herself did the very air has temptation in it when they see the windows full of pretty things and think of their wives and their children and their old friends even misers relax a little then and a famous statesman who was somewhat close-fisted in his day is reported to have given his young colored servant twenty-five cents on christmas eve telling him to go out to mount auburn cemetery and see where the great men of new england lie buried and the man i believe went there but he was an african and the spirit of christmas was not in his race for if it had moved him he would have wasted that money on cream cakes and cookies reflecting that the buried worthies of massachusetts could not tell tales on him overholt went downtown to the bank where he kept his account and explained his little mistake very humbly and asked for time to pay up the teller looked at him as if he were an escaped lunatic but on account of his great reputation as an inventor he was shown to the desk of one of the partners which stood in a corner of the vast place where one could converse confidentially if one did not speak above a whisper but the stenographer girl could hear even whispering distinctly and perhaps she sometimes took down what she heard if the partner made signal to her by carelessly rolling his pencil across his table the partner whom overholt saw was not ill-natured and besides it was near christmas and he had been poor himself when he was young if overholt would kindly sign a note at sixty days for the overdraft it would be all right the banker was sorry he could not authorize him to overdraw any further but it was strictly against the rules an exception had been made because mr overholt was such a well-known man and so forth but the inventor explained that he had not meant to ask any favor and had come to explain how he had made such a strange mistake the banker like the teller thought that a man who could not count money must be mad but was too civil or too good-natured to say so overholt signed the note thanked him warmly and went away he and his old umbrella looked very dejected as he left the building and dived into the stream of men in the street but if he had paid any attention to his fellow-beings he would have seen here and there a number who looked quite as unhappy as he did he had come all the way from the country expressly to explain his error and had been in the greatest haste to get downtown and have the interview over to go home with the prospect of trying to eat a dinner that would be cold and of sitting in his workshop all the afternoon just to stare at his failure until newton came home was quite another matter if the weather had been less disagreeable he would have gone to the central park to sit in a quiet corner and think matters over 
as that seemed out of the question he walked from the bank to forty-second street taking an hour and a half over it it was better to go on foot than to sit in a car facing a dozen or twenty strangers who would wonder why he looked so miserable sensitive people always fancy that everybody is looking at them and criticizing them when in fact no one cares a straw how they look or what they do then too he was in such a morbid state of mind about his debt that it looked positively wrong to spend five cents on a car fare even the small change in his pocket was not his own and that and hundreds of dollars besides must be paid back in sixty days otherwise he supposed he would be bankrupt which to his simple mind meant disgrace as well as ruin it had stopped raining before he reached grace church and as he crossed madison square the sun shone out and the wind had veered to the west and the sky was clearing all around the streets had seemed full before but they were positively choking with people now the shops drew them in and blew them out again with much less cash about them as a pacific whale swallows water and spouts it out catching the little fish by thousands with his internal whalebone fishing net but unlike the fishes the people were not a whit less pleased on the contrary there was something in the faces of almost all that is only seen once a year in new york and then only for certain hours and that is real good will for whatever the most home-loving new yorker may say of his own great city good will to men is not its dominant characteristic nor peace its most remarkable feature even poor overholt half crazy with disappointment and trouble could not help noticing the difference between the expressions of the men he had seen downtown and of those who were thronging the shops and the sidewalks in fifth avenue in wall street and adjacent broadway a great many looked like more or less discontented birds of prey looking out for the next meal and a few might have been compared to replete vultures but here all those who were not alone were talking with their companions and many were smiling and now and then a low laugh was heard which is a very rare thing in fifth avenue though you may often hear children laughing in the park and sometimes in the cross streets uptown then there was another eagerness in the faces that was not for money but was the anticipation of giving pleasure before long and of being pleased too and that is a great part of the christmas spirit if it is not the spirit itself it is doubtless more blessed to give than to receive but the receiving is very delightful and it is cruel to teach children that they must not look forward to having pretty presents what is christmas day to a happy child but a first glimpse of heaven on earth overholt glanced at the faces of the passers-by with a sort of vague surprise wondering why they looked so happy and then he remembered what they were doing and all at once his heart sank like lead what was to become of the turkey and the ice-cream on which newton had built his hopes for christmas would there be any dinner at all or any one to cook it how could he go and get things which he would not be able to pay for on the first of next month exactly a week after the feast 
his imagination could glide lightly over three weeks of starvation but at the thought of his boy's disappointment everything went to pieces the present the future everything he would have walked all the way downtown again to beg for a loan of only a few dollars enough for that one christmas dinner but he knew from the banker's face that such a request would be refused as such and he dreaded in his misery lest the money should be offered him as a charity he got home at last weary and wretched and then for the first time he remembered the letter he had written asking for employment as a teacher he had been a very good one and the college had been sorry to lose him in two days he might get an answer all hope was not gone yet at least not quite all and his spirits revived a little besides the weather was fine now even in connecticut there would be a sharp frost in the night and newton would soon get some skating end of part six section two